You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Greetings, everybody, on February the 27th of 2022. 22-2-2. We've already had the, all the twos this month, put it that way. But yeah, hi, this is another podcast episode, episode 44, I believe, uh, titled How Many Players, or something to that effect. We'll get onto that later on as a small, quick discussion topic, but I got quite a decent amount of variety in the content on this episode. Not a huge amount in each one, but look, you know, I'm experimenting with a new segment, and obviously I want to try and fill every little bit there but generally we're good it's quite hot in this room actually because the sun has finally decided to show itself in the UK after the storm we recently had and you know as a result no hot drink for me except I've got one pint of squash and another pint of squash we're filled with a vitamin C tablet thing. So if there's one thing I really am trying to do this morning it's stay hydrated because I always run out when doing these podcasts but generally things have not been too bad actually it's quite a eventful week shall we say both good and bad but you know we've had mostly good it is definitely mostly good firstly the channel is still going at a decent enough pace so i've released a couple of new top tens recently because there really isn't a lot of board game releases in the first quarter so any reviews that i do are probably going to be games that come out that came out like 2020 2021 like catch-up games so to make up for that i'm trying to do more top 10 lists because well, to be fair, that's the main thing you love on this channel. And so, you know, I put out a experimental video recently called the Top 10 Games Released Pre-2010. Why is it experimental? Because I use StreamYard to do it. Normally, I do my reviews, like my, sorry, my top 10s, either as a collaboration or as a big budget video. And I'm still going to do those big budget ones because I like the format. They look professional. I love doing the movie clip things. Those will not stop. It's just because I went to visit my family last week, the whole week. So I was away from the blog at that point. And also because I started a new job this week, more on that in a second, uh, I kind of ran out of time to be able to do anything else. Like literally yesterday was nothing but a spring clean of the entire house and sorting out all my correspondence and stuff. It like, it really was a lot of catch up. So I figured I had to put out some content and I put out that video using StreamYard. So using the StreamYard um, format, because now I've got 1080p, it sort of makes it a little bit more clearer to see my picture, I thought I'd give it a shot and see what happens. And the feedback has been thankfully pretty positive on the front. I wasn't entirely happy with the way it came out though. I like the fact that it's on StreamYard and it means it's technically less editing, but it wasn't no editing. I still had to download the recording, I still had to take out bits where I'd hesitated or where things went wrong or the like, you know, the transitions don't gel as well doing it as a recording as it does on live stream because you can interact with the chat on live stream whereas on a recorded video you're kind of just meandering while you're doing things. And that was a little bit of a pain. Plus I needed to put the music background with it so that didn't help either so it worked and people like the list and that's all great but 
I wasn't entirely happy with the way it turned out. Now, I want to still use it because it does mean it's a way to, for me to put out more content. Because, But what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to restrict them to live stream only. Not just the collaboration ones. These will be basically solo live streams. So I will say in advance on this particular time, I'm going to do a live stream for this particular top 10 list. Do it on StreamYard. Just me and I'll go through it a bit quicker so we'll keep the stream to something like about a 30 45 minute format because one it enables me to basically do what I like on the stream not have to care about editing anything at all but it also means that anybody who is able to watch it even in the background can comment and I can respond to their comments and it just makes it a little bit more fun so I will experiment with that in the near future and I think that will probably be a better way of doing it but as I say collaborations are still happening because I did do the uh, top 10 what was it uh, <laughs> how did I forget it was last night top 10 games that hooked us from day one Jeff from the boardroom gamer twitch channel joined me he has a youtube channel as well so hashtag support small creators of course but he mainly operates on Twitch with playthroughs and that. In fact, he's even invited me onto his Twitch channel to do some playthroughs in the future. Maybe of something like Sentinels and that. I have no idea how Twitch works. I work, sorry. I have no liking for Twitch. I think their business practices and how they like do somewhat dubious content on there and seem to uh, you know hate on the little guy in favor of the ones that get views and stuff. You know, a bit well, to be fair, YouTube does that to an extent, but you know. Such is the way. If you're big, you get all the treatment. If you're small, you get, you know, stepped on. And I hate that. So I have nothing to do with Twitch. But if somebody wants to invite me onto their Twitch show for a podcast or a playthrough or a discussion topic or a top 10 list and you're into the board game content, then by all means give me a shout because I may not like Twitch, but I like the people who board game content on Twitch, you know. So I would certainly like to join you for anything that if you've got something in mind but it was a good top 10 list it went on a bit long but you know to be fair we enjoy chatting with the chat we enjoy talking with each other about games and we've both got some pretty different tastes but we've also got some similar ones as well and it was just a cool topic to say which games we played that from the get-go we loved you know which ones from the minute we started playing well not in the minute but the first play we knew that this was going to be a hit for us didn't need extra expansions to make it sing didn't need a few more plays to see how it goes now it, it just instantly won us over and that's always a good thing so by all means check out those two top 10 lists and also check out the Q&A session I did before I went on the family vacation where I basically just do a nice Q&A uh, I'd like the Q&As to be a bit more successful I want more questions to come up from Patreon and that, but I mean, they're good fun to do. And uh, that reminds me, the Spirit Island tier maker thing I did. I should probably think about doing another one of those in the future and get one of those planned. We'll have to see. But yeah, some good stuff. Uh, but not to say that it's all going to be top tens, though. I do have other stuff like on the horizon. For example, I've been buying a few games lately, not to mention, we'll get into this in more detail, I have a new sponsor. And I've been buying a few games and also getting some review copies. So if I can grab these a sec. Um, probably not going to review this one, but I grabbed the uh, Dark of Mirkwood scenario pack for Lord of the Rings, the card game, the new one. So uh, this will hopefully give me a chance to sort of rekindle my loving game for that game. Um, I've also bought this weird little game called Shamans from, I think it was from last year. I don't know, 2020 from Studio H. This is apparently a trick-taking game or some kind of card play game with social deduction. Odd, odd idea, but, you know, these combinations of games that don't normally gel together, you know, work for me. And Tom Vassell put this on his surprises list, so I'm interested to try this one. Cheap, easy, I, I'm into these games. However, oh, big one here. Right, 
This one we have, on the other hand, is called Stroganoff. This is a huge game by Andreas Stedding. Artwork, I can't even pronounce who did the artwork. Maj Magic Janik? I don't know. Sorry about that, but it does look beautiful. It looks like a pretty cool Euro game, one to four players, 90 minutes or so, about uh, you know 16th century uh, Cossacks and Stroganoffs, that kind of thing. Apart from that, I know nothing else, really. I didn't back it on Kickstarter. This is basically a retail copy that I've managed to get. And I know it's pretty much themeless. I've heard that. So I'm kind of worried this is going to be a bit like a Clans of Caledonia setting, in a sense. But it looks good, and I want to try it. So definitely that one is getting a full review. And then finally, uh, I think it's finally... Yes, finally, um, I decided to buy a game that I've been wanting to try for so long, but for ages you just couldn't get a copy of it. And I think it's probably a bit expensive for what it is, but had some credit and I figured, why not? Padio. Padio, this cooperative adventure game from Z-Man Games and Hans Gluck. I have no idea if I like this or not, but it looks pretty. It's a co-op and it sounds simple enough to play. I mean, 45 to 60 minutes, so... Uh, it sounds like something I could probably like, but I've no idea if I'll like it or not. I've heard good things, but the thing is, I've not heard many things. I hear few good things, and then nobody else talk about it. So uh, I'm going to. not Probably not a full review on this, not a detail review. I'll do a detail review for Stroganoff, but I think this one will probably be an uh, express review. So, yeah, some cool games on the horizon are there. So, the rest of the week, well, I've been started a new job. Yeah, finally started a new job. Started on Monday. Uh, I'm not going to give any specific details of the employer or that, but uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's, it's a good job. The culture there is really nice. Everyone's been very friendly. Nobody's looking at me going, oh, great, the new guy. Got to put up with this dude. No, no, they're, they're very friendly. They're, they're very welcoming. And even though it's a bit of an information overload because it's a very different way of working to what I've been used to, in a good way, because <laughs> I hated the way it was previously, it is a bit of a like, oh my god, not to mention it's a commute to Southampton every day, which does mean a bit more time spent uh, like dealing with work, so I do need to watch how often I'm putting out content on this channel, because I do need to obviously prioritise my job and career, and I can't afford to mess it up, although they will let me work from home eventually, so that will probably help, but Certainly, yes, like I say, I've got to prioritize the job, but it just might mean that I'll try and get onto a regular stream of content without going overboard, because the worst thing I can do is hit burnout. Can't do that. But yeah, so far, so good. So thank you to everybody on Patreon or the or, or general YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or even uh, Paul Grogan's Gaming Rules Slack channel, which I'm a member of. You know, thank you to everybody who has shown me some support and wished me luck with that. So uh, yeah, oh, it means the world. Uh, other than that, yeah, generally fine. I mean, I've got uh, plans to uh, replace this table with another uh, Geekism one. We're currently in the talks at the moment to sort that out. Uh, there's some problems I've had with this one about, like, wonky legs and stuff like that. But, you know, they've been very kind and sorting it out. You know, it's under warranty and all that. So... Yeah, we're basically going to replace this one. It's going to be a bit uh, narrower, I'm expecting. So, you know, because this table is a bit too wide for this room. I made a mistake when I did the measurements when I moved in here. And so I messed up the measurements and it's so wide that it some people do struggle to get into the seats. So it's going to be about 20 centimeters uh, narrower. 
still the same length though so it's still going to cover the same length of the room so that's good so it should still be big enough to play a decent sized game on it but it will allow me a bit more space in the room and I think that's what this room could do with particularly if I'm going to experiment with any other kind of camera setups around here some space might be a good thing but it will still be a dentist table which are really good it's still going to have the the leaf storage it's going to have a few extra things like mug mug holders so normally I can only store pint glasses in these things but I've got wine glass holders as well apparently they do ones for mugs so I'm going to get some of those you know tea mug on there but I'll have a GM station I'll have a counter leaf thing for the middle of the table straight board leaves will now store under the table which will raise the height a little bit as opposed to being stuck against the wall over there but is that the best thing no best thing is that on the inlay the velvet inlay one side's going to be green because I kind of like green it's my favorite color but the flip side is going to be a light gray with my logo printed on it that I can't wait you know to have a logo printed velvet inlay for the broken meeple or something that would be really cool because then hopefully that will show up in some of the express reviews I do and if by some fluke I can do playthroughs later in the time on this channel you'll be able to see that logo so it'd be pretty sweet but yeah that's in the works but then also I've had to sort out this new sponsor I'll go on to that in a minute I've had to you know sort out other like game copies coming i've had to sort out blogs i've had to spring clean my house i've upgraded my phone on the samsung program so now i've got a you know samsung ultra 22 s22 to replace my 21 ultra sorry 22 ultra to replace my 21 ultra because the upgrade program's quite a nice little deal and i'm just waiting for like cases on there so yeah quite a bit going on you <laughs> know just quite a bit but all good so, without further ado, uh, let's see, let's get on to the next bit, and I need to make a note of timestamps now, because I always find that this is a problem when I do things like that. So, we're going to mark a nice timestamp here at 13.14, as if any of you listening care about that. But... I know, the way it works when you're doing live. So, let's get on to the shout-out, and the shout-out is not a small content creator. It's a small retailer, because as I just mentioned, I've got... A new sponsor yes now this is not to say that things are broken down with zatu or anything like that zatu and i are still doing stuff together the staff at zatu are very friendly they're really lovely the girls who work on the media and marketing stuff are some of the nicest girls i've ever met and you know we are still doing stuff but what we're probably doing with zatu is we're just doing giveaways every now and again there'll be a giveaway bi-monthly as a result of a review or a top 10 list or something and i will get the game and i'll do a uk specific giveaway for it in fact we've got plans in march to do the quacks of quedlinburg big box so if you've ever seen that one on any of the things let's see if i can find a picture of it at the moment quacks of quedlinburg such a stupid name i have to admit but the big box it contains it, and this is the specifically the new one so this one comes out with two expansions i believe it comes out with the or is it the mega box it's one of the two it comes out with the witches and the alchemist expansions built into it so this is a different uh, the charlatans of Belcastel or whatever I do those some weird different language one of there but basically it's got alchemists and witches in it and I've not played it with the expansions I played it with the normal the normal game and I find it fine I don't love it but I thought it was fine it does what it says on the tin and I can understand why people really love it but I'm going to get a copy of that which will be reviewed with all the expansions so one big video to do that or maybe an express video and some beyond the base game thing i don't know i'll figure it out but either way i'll be doing a giveaway for that so that's hopefully going to happen at some point probably late march i think lovely bit of uh, vitamin c there for me right but you know things are still going nicely with zatu so don't worry about that it's just that's going to be a more bi-monthly thing 
the new sponsor that I want to talk about is an upcoming retailer that has just started kind of getting its legs in the UK. Uh, they they, so they primarily, primarily, I think, originate from Spain. But the idea is that they have now started setting up. Uh, the One of the guys I've been speaking to comes to my Portsmouth club every now and again. So that's how I got to know him first. And they've got a shipping warehouse in Fairham, which is only about phew, 10 miles down the road from, like, Cosham and Waterlooville. So they're local to me. So I figured, you know what, promote a local creator, a, a you know, local uh board game related thing i mean i did the same with the lovely little portraits that i did with state of plane you remember those ones you've seen on my wall that's uh, at the back of my videos you know they're local to me as well they're in south sea so i like to promote these when i can and kiender if i let's see let's go find the page here we go kiender.co.uk is the site i'm talking about come on here we go right so this is a new retailer that uh, is now sponsoring the Broken Meeple, so there will be a sponsor video that I will do for uh, these various, uh, this, sorry, this particular retailer. It will be like 30 seconds, 45 seconds tops, it will be nice and quick, and it will basically play at the start or middle of big videos, you know, like as a stopgap or at the start, you know, so it's not going to be in every single video, and it's not going to be, what's the word, intrusive? But this is how sponsors work. You know, I did the same with Zatu. I do the same with this one. And basically, what this is that it is a typical retailer website. So it sells board games. And as you can see, we've got the initiative. We've got Voices in Your Head. That's a new one. We've got uh, Praga, uh, HeroQuest, Great Western Trail, Second Edition, Boon Lake. Uh, then it's got some special editions like the Clash of Cultures Monumental Edition, Cleopatra and the Society of Architects Big Box, uh, the Full Gallerist, you know, and then other ones like the Agricola Big Box, Rivals of Catania. They, they've got various titles on their list and it varies. Their catalogue is expanding. So they've got a decent selection so far, but maybe not as many as, you know, you probably would get on maybe some other retailers but like i say they're up and coming and there's still some pretty good stuff there to find so what they are doing for a sponsor is that it allows me to get you know some more like copies to review as i mentioned stroganoff has been kindly uh, given to me as a review copy from kiender to review and as always we've agreed don't worry don't worry this is me we're talking about here any review i get is my opinion at the end of the day, regardless of its source, doesn't matter if it was given to me for free or I bought it myself. If I don't like a game, I will tell you I don't like a game. So they understand that and that's going to be a case. You know, otherwise, I would not accept the deal. Uh, and basically, it allows me to do some giveaways every now and again, but basically get more copies, more games and you know, produce more content for you. So obviously, you know, it helps to have a sponsor and it's very kind of them to offer. But what I want to do, obviously, as a, you know, a you know, a message to you is basically explain some of their discounts so first off you know they they have some bulk discounts so you can get a, a progressive percentage off your orders for 80 pound 110 140 170 200 quid one two three four five percent so if you do a big bulk order you'll buy more and save more effectively uh, they do free delivery for over 30 pounds though so if you are just buying one game you may not necessarily get a discount but you'll get free next day shipping on the order which is pretty good actually next day shipping for only 30 pounds purchase that's pretty good there is also a loyalty point system where you'll get five percent of what you spend back as points so the more that you buy the more that you'll save over time anyway again a really neat system and their prices are pretty competitive with a few other retailers it must be said but the main thing i want to do though is the referral system so basically the 
with this, you I, I have a referral link where if you set up an account with Kienda, you can get 5% off your first order you make with them for any order of £60 plus. So it's basically a better deal with, you know, a better deal than before. And the idea is, is that with, if I if you use my link to make the account, I'll get some credit which I can use to get more review copies for the channel. So as I say, if I help you make a saving, you help the channel you know progress and expand, which is always you know I hope that's a good thing. They stock a lot of decent board games. They stock the Maydaces. They've got the Sleeve Kings. And how many times have I barreled on about Sleeve Kings being the go-to sleeves for me? So by all means, grab some of those. But you know you can see here Beyond the Sun, Brass Birmingham, Wingspan, the second edition of Dominion. They got some pretty big titles there. Um, they're fine-tuning their website in the sense of you know what how to organize things in the search so as i say it's a new up-and-coming website so it will develop as time goes on but they're easy to contact so they're very friendly people and so what this referral system is is basically i will have a referral link in the description for my you know my videos and that you will find it in the description of all my videos and the idea is is that what you will get if you use that link to set up your account with Kender, it will automatically give you the 5% discount on an order of £60 plus. Okay, so all you got to do is just find the link in my description on my YouTube videos and you will get it starting from today. So I will put it on the description for this particular video as well, or podcast, I guess. And also there will be a referral like code in a sense, like I've got a unique number. So if you haven't got the link, you can just use this code when you register your account and it will do the exact same thing. That is 02610323. If you use that referral number when you set up your account, it will do the exact same thing as if you use the link. So you've got two ways to do it. You should not have any reason why it shouldn't work. And there you go. That is essentially the deal. So new sponsor, Glad to be working with a new upcoming retailer. As I say, I'm still doing giveaways with Zatu, and I still think that you should shop around and obviously find the best deal for you. You know, as much as I'm sponsored by Kienda, I'm not going to say you should always buy from Kienda and nobody else or something. Competition is good for the industry. And I'm just saying that you should obviously make your decision as to where you buy your products from and where you, and how much you're willing to spend. But hopefully this uh, referral link of mine and some recommendations here will give you some you know potential reason to come to Kienda and help out the channel. It's kind of like the more you spend on you know the on this website, the more review copies I can get, the more content I can put out. So you know that's always hopefully a good thing. <laughs> I hope that's I hope that's something that's desirable. But yeah, shout out to kienda.co.uk, Broken Meeple's new sponder, spons, sponder, sponsor. And it's not just me, uh, they're also helping out uh, Chairman of the Board. Uh, so if you recall Chairman of the Board, they came on a live stream with me at some point uh, before to do a top 10 list. You know, very lovely bloke, very different tastes in games. But, you know, he's also a sponsor as well. So you know, they're kind of like going after small creators, you know, the, you know, they're sort of going, right, you know, do some of the smaller content creators want to be helped out by Kienda? And it's like, great, you know what, that's cool. You know, you're helping out small content creators. I'm trying to help out small content creators. And I figured why not help out a small retail business while I'm at it? Same with State of Plane and now with Kienda. So there you go. That's the big details on it. But of course, it will be done in a slightly smaller promo uh, video way when I get round to recording it, hopefully at some point later today. So yeah, quite a bit on that.
New timestamp. Hello. Right, let's get on to a game I've played then very quick. Not going to talk too long on this one, but this is a game that you would never think I would play because it has trains in it. Yeah, <laughs> deal with that for a minute. It's like, yeah, trains. This is called Imper Imperial, I believe. It's called, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Im Empiral or Imperial, it's called Imperial Spells and Steam. It's essentially a level 99 game by Trey Chambers, and it's a basically a pick-up-and-deliver train game. Now, honestly, the trains are a mute point here. This could be any mode of transportation, and it wouldn't make a difference. It's really about an efficiency puzzle with pick-up-and-deliver. And level 99 do Argent Consortium, which I really like as well, and Pixel Tactics was really good as well. So, and I think they also did Millennium Blades. I think they did Millennium Blades. So, you know, I get a lot of good stuff from them. But my friend has this, uh, got it on Kickstarter, and so the other night we met up and played. And, to be fair, I was a little skeptical going in. I thought like, okay, this is a train game. Not the biggest fan of train games. We'll go in, we'll go in with an open mind. I liked it. Fine. It didn't blow my mind. But I liked it. I got to play this uh, faction with green little caterpillar trains, which I'm, I don't know if that helped a little bit because one other player was playing a boring faction with like black trains or whatever and like normal looking trains. And I'm like, I've got cool little caterpillars. Surely that is infinitely more fun. But essentially what you have is you've got this map with all these different terrain types and these resources on it. Uh, in the base set, you get these horrible little tokens. He's got the decent edition, like the Kickstarter Deluxe, where it's got these really nice like 3D resources for everything. It looks really good. It's a big production, certainly overproduced, I would say. But the idea is, I don't know what these are, these uh, little prints and that. I'm trying to find a better picture of the game itself. Uh, this will do. So... What you have here is this huge map, and this has been played with six players. Honestly, I don't think I would ever play this with more than four. But you you have this map, all the trains, and each of you has a player board with these different boxcars on it. So these different columns where you will use this action pawn in order to decide which cars you're activating in order to do your move. What you are essentially doing is that you've got these cities on the board and these resources on each tile. You're building a network of trains across this board, which is easier said than done. But when you have so many of these resources in your network, if you connect to the right color city, you can deliver them and get points and demand tiles. But you could also just deliver them straight off your network for individual points. There's a couple of objective cards to go for. But like I say, it is essentially pick up and deliver, do it better than the other opponents. And as I say, these are the 3D resources that you've got here, which are beautiful. <laughs> they are so beautiful, it is unreal. But yeah, I'm, I mean, it's certainly visual aesthetics are going to make me enjoy your game more, regardless of what its theme is. But I enjoy the efficiency puzzle with this. Essentially, you've got this, like these different columns here, and you've got some starter box cards with an asymmetric player board. So everybody's faction plays out differently and has different costs and different terrain they like. You've got a leader that you have. You flip it down for a special effect, and you've got to flip it back up. But you move this pawn across this middle track here, and the further you move it, the more mana it costs. I mean, this is basically a draped-on fantasy theme here. It's using the same universe as Argon the Consortium. And... You activate the column that you go in, and it costs more mana to activate more boxcars. You start off with some very boring boxcars, but you can eventually get more to fill up the spaces. So you're effectively creating your, you know, like, the system that you're using. As I say, it's a very good customizable system. I'm trying to see if I can find a close-up of the actual player board, but we'll see as I talk. And the idea being that with 
these activations like here's some more box cards you can get so they allow you to do different terrains or recharge mana or do all sorts of other things sometimes they cost mana to use so you've got to obviously you know be efficient with that but you can also hire an engineer you can hire the you know an, a, a kind of i don't know what the ones for the flags are called overseers or something but basically you can hire these special characters one gives you a repeatable thing that you like tap and then refresh one gives you a one-off game stupidly powerful ability one of them gives you a permanently passive ability you can get those you can get more box cars for your network you can also get more manor so normally you only have about five manor to begin with and that's quite limiting but you could basically get more manor and the idea is is that it's all about the efficiency puzzle of moving that pawn across the board because when it gets to the end of the line you get to make a delivery to one of these cities and you get to do something like get a new character or get more box cars but then it goes back to the start and you've got to move the pawn back to the end of the line in order to repeat that but the faster you move the pawn the more manner it costs so again efficiency definitely an efficiency euro game here but I enjoyed that efficiency puzzle. It's not a short game. It took us a good two and a half to three hours to play this after the teach with four of us. And that might have included a little bit of AP along the way. I do think the game could do with being a bit shorter. But I'm confident that with subsequent plays we probably could do that. But everybody's got one or two like special characters to use for their faction. There's multiple factions. Particularly if you've got the expansion in there. You end up with a couple extras. Some of them are a little bit dull. You know, just humies or whatever. But, you know, I played a... You know, a sort of human that was Friends of the Forest or something. So I had these little caterpillar trains that just looked really cool and cute. And I just, I don't know, I, just, I thought that was infinitely better than using any Humi train. But yeah, it's, a, it's a cool little puzzle. And it's not that difficult to play. The rules overhead is actually relatively small. It's more about the choices you make, how you customize your boxcars. And you definitely can't do everything. You've got to pick, ah, here's the faction, yes. Uh, uh, the Caterpillar Conveyance Consortium. I didn't use this particular character, but I used the other person to do it. And yeah, you get these little cool little green caterpillars. They're awesome. I mean, I, I want to play this faction more and more. But yeah, it's a solid game. You've got a decent amount of variety. You can't do everything. You've got to choose a strategy and go with it. Like, you won't be able to get a full list of boxcars and all the characters and all the things. You're going to have to pick what it is you're doing. I mean, I didn't get a single new character in my game. Because I spent all those end of the line bonuses getting more mana. Because I was doing very expensive movements across my board. It's, you know, the graphic design is decent. And, and also, I thought this was pretty sweet, actually. You know, I'm not blown away by it. It's a train game. But then, honestly, it could be any transportation. It's a bit like Whistle Stop. Whistle Stop's a great game, generally. It doesn't really matter if it's trains or not. And again, this one doesn't care if it's trains. I mean, th this universe with all these funky mages and stuff, do you really think they're using trains, you know, that much? I mean, I suppose Hogwarts, you could argue, yeah, but still... I quickly forgot they were even trains, especially when you're putting little caterpillars on the board. I honestly just went into this and thought, you know what, this is just a fun efficiency puzzle. I'm enjoying this idea of like, oh, I can customize my network and oh, I've got to beat the other players and oh, there's ways to move around the board, but it's harder to get across certain terrain than others for certain players. The characters with different abilities. I just thought it was a cool puzzle. So yeah, I'm keen to play this. I'd probably give this a 7 out of 10 as a starting point. You know, definitely a seal of endorsement. I think if, you know, forget the fact that it's a train game. If you like the pick up and deliver mechanic of a train game, this is definitely one to look out for. You know, this doesn't have shares and investments and all that nonsense. It doesn't have loans and things like that, you know, like Age of Steam and that would. No, this is just pure pick up and deliver 
with some interesting little quirks. And if, like us, you're fans of Argent the Consortium, then there's a few little Easter eggs in there, characters from the other game, and just the fact that you are using funky trains and mages and weird sort of terrain. You know, you can have a bit of a laugh. But yeah, you know, I think there's there's room for improvement, but I think it's a decent enough game. Not one that I'll own, but my friend has it. And yeah, if he wants to play it, I'm game. I'm game to try out some more of these factions and some of the expansion bits and stuff that we didn't use. You know, I think this is a decent, solid little game, actually. Well, not little. It's a big game. It's quite a big box. But yeah, Imperial Spells and Steam from Level 99 Games. Trade Chambers. Give it a check. And yes, I'm remembering to give you the details of the game when I finished talking about it this time because I've been called out on that quite a bit on the comments. So I figured it was about time I actually uh, listened to you. Right. Very quick bit of news because I don't want to talk too much about uh, this. Um, there's not that many decent news, honestly. On uh, I found it was kind of lacking. But I'm told that Carcassonne is getting a new spooky spin-off co-op board game. Now, normally Carcassonne has kind of burnt out for me. I mean, people were like, Luke, seriously, why is Carcassonne not on your uh, previous um, top 10 list you did about old games? Well, Carcassonne I kind of burnt out on. I've sold my copy of Carcassonne, honestly. I, I think it's good. I still respect it, but I've just kind of burnt out on it. I think Small Islands is better. But a co-op version, hmm, that's different. So essentially, you still do the whole thing of laying out tiles and build up a Carcassonne map, but here you're building cemeteries and spirit meeples are coming on the board and you're trying to contain the rest of the spirits. So you essentially try to like contain as many of them as possible. And if you can make it through three days without being overwhelmed, you collectively win the game. You know what? I'm cool with that. It's something different. It's not just, oh, here's a new location with one little extra mechanic and it's the exact same steel of competitive Carcassonne. No, a co-op Carcassonne, I think, is quite a new thing. Now, it's going to be a while before we see this because, I mean, this is like work in progress and, you know, I, oh, I don't even know what it's called. It just calls Nibel Uber Carcassonne. So I'm not entirely certain what that... Oh, no, it's called Fog Over Carcassonne. There we go. So that's the uh, English translation. And, yeah, you know what? I'm down to see what this is like, but just very quickly wanted to mention that for anybody who's a Carcassonne fan, I'm not necessarily a fan anymore. I still respect the game, but it's just I figured, you know what, this would at least get my attention. So, okay, fair enough. Right. Now, need a drink? Hmm. Gotta keep hydrated. Gotta keep hydrated. Right. My apologies there. Right. So, with this one... We're looking at a new segment idea. Now, I'm going to talk briefly about this because I don't want the uh, like podcast to go on too long, although I see this every time and it still does, so why the hell do I keep on saying it? But the new segment I want to do is uh, Kickstarter-related. Now, I know I don't want to be a Kickstarter-focused channel. It's not the way I am. You know, there are channels that do that already, and like I say, I have a hit-or-miss relationship with Kickstarter channels because I don't like the idea that they artificially hype a game and force people to spend too much money on them, so it's like, yeah, not the biggest fan. But I still back stuff on Kickstarter now and again. You know, I've restricted my use more than usual, but recently some decent Kickstarters have surfaced, and, and I'm not going to say which ones I've backed. Uh, like just those ones. I will say if I back them or not, or if I'm considering it, but I just want to highlight a few that have caught my interest, and I just want to give some passing musing thoughts on them. I'm not going to say like what the game's about, you know, all the time and things like that. You know, the, the, the Kickstarter channels will do that better. This is just more, hmm, this has come across my attention. I just want to give you my impressions, shall we say. So there are three in particular that I'm kind of looking at. I've already mentioned Deep Rock Galactic on a previous video. That is still in the works. I'm still tentatively uh, backing that one. 
after all, is a video game I've played. But I just want to mention a few others. So first up, let's go with Earth. Paul Grogan has recently done a tutorial and playthrough video of this game, so by all means check out his video if you want to know exactly how this game runs and plays. Uh, but it's a very cheap game, I mean 42 US dollars for a proper version of the game before add-ons, and you don't need any of the add-ons, they're just nice things to have, but honestly 42 euros, I'm sorry, 42 US dollars, not even euros, it's about 36 odd euros, it's kind of high time we actually got some more affordable Kickstarters. But Earth is, I don't know too much about how the game plays, because to be fair, I mentioned Paul Grogan's done the video, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, that's on my agenda for later today, uh, because I have back this at the moment, I have actually put in the pledge, because I just think it's such a cheap game for all the stuff you're getting, but I need to watch his video later on to make certain that that is definitely what I want. But look at this artwork. Oh my word, is this gorgeous. This has been sort of compared. Are people thinking, oh, is this like a, an easier arc Nova? By the looks of it and from the mechanics and from what comments I've seen, this has got nothing to do with Ark Nova, nor is it in any way similar. So don't compare the two. We shall stop that now. But one to five players, 45 to 90 minutes. It's got some very nice like components that you're going to have. You're going to have wooden leaf tokens, wooden soil tokens. But... The idea is, is that you're basically like building a tableau, a tableau building game where you create your island with these different climate ecosystem cards, things like plants and little animals and stuff, and you essentially are trying to like generate points, but you're using these cards for their various benefits. You're getting resources like soil, compost, plant cubes, growth pieces, and you just build up this four by four tableau where you activate card abilities and essentially like complete eventually a 16 card tableau to get bonus victory points and trigger the end game. So fairly simple tableau game, probably I'm thinking kind of like a wingspan vibe from this, but what is sonic to me is that the rules seem very simple, but look at this artwork. This artwork is beyond gorgeous. I don't know if it's all artwork or if some of it's a photography, because some of this artwork looks too good to be artwork. Like some of it has got to be photography. Look at these calendar cards here, this June and July one. That those two cannot be artwork, surely. They've got to be for you know a photograph. If that's the case, great. Photographs look great when it's about actual nature. Works in Arc Nova, it works here. But yeah, this looks like a pretty cool game. I'm excited to see from the video. You know, uh, I hope it's on here. Let's have a look. Uh, here we go. There you go. Gaming rules tutorial and playthrough uh, with Connor McGoy. So the actual, is, I think it's the designer. If not, it's the publisher. Uh, a tabletop. Uh, simulator playthrough and I wish I was actually in this game I wish I well to be fair with a full-time job it's difficult to be free for this sort of stuff but yeah give this one a watch I'm going to give it a watch later on but look at this ah oh, it's got to be photography it has to be photography but look at them look so gorgeous I'm just going to be staring at my tableau for ages with this game and you have got some fauna cards you got like giraffes and snakes and orangutans and eagles and beetles I hope there isn't a card for spiders if there's a card for spiders I'm tearing it up but yeah it just you know and then you got these plants so you're going to learn a little bit about these different things I'm sure they'll put something in the rule book or you've got the latin meaning or maybe this uh flavor text maybe this is flavor text at the bottom I can't quite See, but maybe that's flavor text telling you what the thing does. So you've got terrain, you've got events, you've got solo mode, uh, where you're going up against Gaia, which is an interesting little idea for an AI, and some 
you know, some little add-ons like an insert and neoprene playmats. But honestly, I don't think this game desperately is going to need an insert, although to be fair, it's not too bad looking an insert, frankly. Uh, the neoprene playmats I can take or leave. I mean, you'd need one per player. It would just get way too expensive, although to be fair... These are nice pictures. I mean, that one there with the green uh, forest and that. Oh, it does look nice. But yeah, I'm going to watch that video later on and see what it's like as a game to play. But honestly, yeah, this one just looks like it's such a good price point for such a nice looking game. So yeah, definitely interested to see how this one turns out. Uh, next one is Tang Garden Seasons. Now, I used to own Tang Garden and I sold it for a major problem I had with it graphic design. The game itself is actually pretty cool. You're essentially building this kind of like big display of a garden with these really cool miniatures, you know, like little gazebos and plants and you put trees and you put characters facing like northeast southwest against these beautiful panoramas and stuff. It's it is a gorgeous game. Really great visually. The rule book was a little bit on the iffy side though. They are revising it for this version, though. And the problem I had was graphic design. Graphic design killed the game for me. There were two big reasons for that. Uh, well, firstly, as much as I am tempted by this one, I mean, I don't know if it's enough of a fix, but, well, actually, we'll get onto that in a minute. Let's try and find those two graphic design things. Right, these panoramas here. These little icons, you were supposed to spot and use them as your point scoring. These ones show original images and that, and they are too small. They were too small to be able to see what it was they were from a distance. I mean, I played this with some people who were short-sighted, and they struggled a lot. Uh, particularly if you're playing this on a large table where you're not sitting right next to this uh, middle arena. So that became a problem. The other thing is that on these tiles here, these garden tiles, you occasionally get this faded little icon to say what, like, whether it's got a leaf or a, a diamond on it or something. I forget what the rules are. It's been a while. But they were hard to see as well. So uh, I can't find an example on any of those two. But it just it got really annoying, like trying to spot that iconography on what is essentially a fairly busy board. And those two things just killed the game for me because I didn't want to put up with that kind of like messing around. Now, apparently that hasn't changed. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. But they have made those panorama icons bigger. So, you know, that could be a good help. And the rulebook is getting revised. So that's pretty good. What is putting me off wanting to do this? I mean, I've only pledged this with a $1 like backing at the moment because I just want to get uh, follow the community and see what they say on the graphic design. But this is a modular expansion. So this winter, autumn, equinox and all that lot is basically different ways to play the game. And all the other expansions that you can get on this Kickstarter were also that. They were little modules that you got. I'm not sure I want that. Because I don't know if I'm going to play this game often enough to want to play, like, 20 different scenarios here. And there are some scenarios that some people throw into every game because they actually think the game is better with them. It's like you're getting a very bare-bones experience without throwing in some of these. But, I mean, the complete collection. You could have tons of scenarios in there. How are you going to play them all? I just don't see how you would. So maybe you just get seasons, but then is there something in Golden Age? Uh, I think there's one in Golden Age that... Uh, a market board that people swear by and it's like well if i want tangard and golden age i've either got to get it as an, um, an add-on or i've got to go all in i don't know it's just and that's not cheap i mean the complete collection 190 euros so this is 160 pound for all this which granted i suppose is actually pretty good value for the amount of content you're getting there and certainly for this artwork and component quality but if i'm only going to be playing the occasional scenario every now and again 
is this really worth it? I'm interested to hear some of your thoughts. Are you Tang Garden fans? Are you backing this? What are your thoughts about how you play with these scenarios? And do you think they fix the graphic design issue? Because that is going to make or break the game for me. But I do remember it being a solid game. We'll have to see. And then finally, not back to earth, Unsettled. This one is getting all the hype at the moment. Just everybody is going on about Unsettled. And, you know, I do love Vindication. Vindication is another game from Orange Nebula. And I really love Vindication. It's on my shelf, expanded, and I've got the Chronicles 1 kickstarted. I never backed Unsettled because I wasn't certain if I would like it or not. It sounded cool, the idea that each box was a different planet with different rules and different puzzles and that, and it was a cooperative game, so it, it already was singing to me. But then I watched the review that the Dice Tower did. Four of them did it. Tom Vassell gave it a 5. The others gave it like an 8.59, which is why it does have a seal of excellence. And it's like, well, why does it have very, like, very big gaps there? And... The fact is, I probably gel more with Tom Vassell than I do with Chris Yee, Roy Kennedy, and Mike Delisio. So, if I'm going to gel with Tom Vassell mainly, and he's the one who rated it lower, it does fill me with a little bit of, like, hmm, worry here. But, basically, it's a bunch of survival puzzles uh, where each play represents your crew's visit to a strange world with its own environment, special rules, and challenges, and you essentially have to survive, you know, by whatever it is. There's... Gorgeous component quality and gorgeous artwork. Not going to deny that. This thing from a component perspective, other than the thing that other than the fact that these boxes are not the best design, because there's a lot of empty space in these boxes if you don't sleeve your cards. And from what I'm hearing, you really don't need to sleeve your cards in these games. So it's just going to be wasted storage space, which is a bit of a pain, really. But the idea is that each one is different and you've got all these different ways that you can, you know, use your avatar and, you know, you've got three different ways per box to approach it. So there's a bit of replayability there, game trace system and, all, and you know, you've got all these different planets, all these different unique rules. I think there's like nine of them now and then there's a couple of expansions on top. So plenty of content here. It's not cheap. I mean, if I want everything with sleeves, it's going to cost me £187, $250. If I take out the sleeves, which is probably the better idea, it's still going to cost me £157 and $210. You know, I mean, we're saving, what, £30 by not taking the sleeves? That's to get everything. Am I going to play through nine separate planet boxes with expansions? I don't know if I'm going to be able to play it that much. And i got to think that there are a lot of games here where I've still got stuff to do. I've sold Fields. I couldn't find the time to do that campaign again. So I sold it. Uh, Tainted Grail still needs two campaigns done. The prequel and the really hard one. Uh, Lord of the Rings has the new Rohan campaign I haven't done yet. So I've got plenty enough stuff to do. And with a job it's made even harder. But then do I get in on this and do maybe a smaller one? I mean, you can buy, you know, you can buy the all-in and get, like, all nine boxes. But I could maybe just buy 7, 8, and 9 on its own. You know, can you go to 7, 8, and 9 without playing 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? I know they're not done in any particular order. So is that a good idea for me or should I not do that? But then I could also just get box 1 and 2. But that doesn't sound like a lot of content, especially when I'm paying £68 for it. Uh, so what do I do? Now, you can buy them as add-ons. So I could buy the first two and then buy a few extra on top. But that seems like it would get very, very expensive. So I don't know the best way about this. I, I would like to get some people's thoughts on this game. Tom Vassell mentions that it's got a lot of luck in the game. 
that could be very like painful to have done against you. I'm also thinking that the theme is not as super strong as it is. I mean, yes, it's got a cool setting, but it's not really a story-driven game. It's more just a puzzle game with a cool setting on it, and that's a little bit worrying. I don't know if this is going to be a game I'm going to want to play with uh, multiplayer, even though it's a co-op. It sounds like something I would probably play solo, two-handed. Is it good playing it solo, two-handed, or should you really play it with multiplayer? I don't know. It's... I don't know if I would like it or not, but it's a lot of content, and it is a gorgeous production, and Vindication is a really good game, I really like it, I don't know, oh yeah, I heard the rulebook was bad before, so the fact that the game revised is certainly a good thing, but yeah, oh, I don't know, is this a good one, I mean, again, I, I don't trust, you know, pure Kickstarter things, so the Dice Tower review is the one, that, in fact, actually, wait a minute, this is kind of odd, actually, yeah, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Because, right, Rado's recent like video is on here, and he basically praises this game like crazy, although to be fair, I'm not entirely certain when Rado actually said a negative thing about a game recently, but, you know, fill me in on the blanks on that one. But, yeah, so he's gone mad on it. Kickstarter channels always say good things, so forget that. You know, so, you know, there's a few others, and, you know, Stonemaier gives his uh, views, which is quite cool. But where's the Dice Tower review? The Dice Tower did a big review for this game. Why is that not on the page? They've got Mike Delicio's quote, because Mike Delicio loves this game like no other, but that just comes to me as a little bit suspicious, you know. The fact that three people in that review gave it such a glowing review, but because Tom Vassell gave it a five, and actively said that it's his reasons, not the game's fault, for being not a fan of it, I just find that a little bit suspicious, really, because I know that people want to sell their games, and naturally you want to put, uh, you know, the best reviews possible on your page, but in the interest of integrity and objectivity and honesty, considering 3 out of 4 gave it a solid review, I think they should be putting the Dice Tower review on this page. That just kind of irks me a bit, like you're afraid to say any bad things about your game. Hmm, I don't know about that, but that's a personal thing, so... I don't know. Would that bother you? Does that bother you that they don't do that? Let me know, actually. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that one. Maybe I'm overreaching myself. But I'm tempted to back it, just to at least get it and give it a review. It is pricey, though. <sighs> Very pricey. I mean, £187. Oh, wait, no, I'm not getting it with sleeves. Uh, 157 I mean, it's not cheap, but that's a lot of content. And this is going to have VAT and shipping on top, so it's probably going to be a £200 product to get all this. I don't know. When's it shipping? Uh, not till February 2023. I mean, that seems insane. In fact, that seems really insane because if you can get the earlier boxes, why should it take till February 2023 for me to get the first two boxes in the base game? That seems a little bit weird. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's on a update and I don't know. But yeah, I've got to wait a whole year for this as well. Could be longer because they're already delayed with the Chronicles expansion. So we'll have to see. I'd like to know your thoughts. Is Unsettled a game you reckon I would like, knowing my taste? So, okay, cool. We'll leave it at that. But, hmm, that's interesting to talk about some Kickstarters, actually. Right, we're already at 50 minutes, so I'm going to talk, hopefully, for no more than 10, 15 minutes on this particular topic. But I want to talk about player count. So the question that comes up now and again is, what's your favorite player count to play games with? And this most uh, most of the time depends on the game you're playing. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I like to play with the magic number three. Three is my magic number. But three doesn't work for every game. And even three players has its own flaw now and again. 
Right, let's uh, take a drink now. Right, so, first off, solo mode. One player. I have a lot of games that I prefer to play solo. We've already mentioned my darling, which is Spirit Island, so naturally that gets a, you know, a bit of a shout-out, but certainly, you know, you can play Spirit Island with two or three, and most people prefer to play it at two rather than more, but, you know, three works fine, but I would normally play Spirit Island solo. And I think if solo is going to be the reason I play a game, it's usually because the game length and complexity goes stupidly high with more players, or there's not enough player interaction. So Fields of Arl, another game that I really enjoy and I've talked about a lot lately. Not by choice, just by, you know, the, they just happen to feature on the list. But this game can play up to two players with a base set, free with tea and trade, but there's not a ton of player interaction in this game. So... I tend to just play the solo, and that applies to a lot of other games. I mean, the LCGs, for example, are Marvel Champions, which is currently underneath this laptop at the moment. I need to pack it away after going through the uh, recent um, uh, box set. I wonder if that's on this list here. Marvel Champions, Galaxy's Most Wanted. Ah, can't be bothered to find it. But, you know, this one here, I play this one solo. I don't even play it two-handed. I just play true solo, but probably should try playing it two-handed more often. But same goes for the Arkham Horror and the Lord of the Rings card game. I tend to play that solo. Not to say they don't work with more players, but at most I'd say they work with two. It's not often a game I'd want to play with three or four, because again, the complexity rating just goes off the charts. So there are times where solo is better for me. I don't tend to play a lot of games two-player, though. Now, a two-player only game is a different story. I mean, if you've got something like Lost Cities, for example, you can only play that with two players. And... I think games that are specifically designed for two players tend to work better in this regard. Uh, so Onitama is another example. I talk about this one quite a bit. Onitama, a great chess-like game, very simple. I'll teach you it in 60 seconds and you'll already be playing it for 10-15 minutes after. Two-player only, nice and quick. So, you know, this one works great. I don't know how you would even begin to think of adding other players. Games that supposedly work best at two, even though they're multiplayer aren't that common for me. And I can't get two players to the table anyway, like for love nor money most of the time, because I live alone, small violin, I know. But when I go to clubs, I'm playing with multiple people. It's not often that I just have one person around my house to play games. I'll invite several people. So, you know, that's why Star Wars Rebellion doesn't get as many players as I'd like. That's why War of the Ring is nigh on impossible to get to the table. It's just, ugh, I can't do it. But there's not many games I can think of where I'm like, ah, oh, this game could play three or four, but I prefer it with two. Glass Road is a potential one, although I must admit I'm liking it a little bit more with uh, uh, three. But certainly it does work very well as a two-player game. This uh, like Uwe Rosenberg farming game, where very light, where you're playing the cards to try and not, you know clash with the opponents too much but you also want a couple of bonus cards played i think it's less chaotic with two than it is with three and four but then azul is a good example of something like that so azul i've kind of burnt out on azul now i, I don't even know if i still own it do i no i don't have azul anymore i've got reef and mandala stones and even then how much longer am i going to have mandala stones i don't know i prefer a reef out of the three of them it's just quick and easy and it looks cool but Azul, if you play it with too many players, you end up finding that it's just too chaotic with these tiles and it takes longer. 
Um, but with two players, you have a better way of understanding who's going to be potentially drawing what tiles. So you can kind of hate draft a bit better in a two-player game than you can in a three, and certainly more than a four. So this sort of game I would play with two more often, but these are kind of rare. These don't come up very often for me, and I know there's some people who will probably have like multiple ways of saying, no, that's the case. I mean, to be fair, even Ark Nova, as much as I talk about that game all the time, Ark Nova is very long when you add more players and there's not a great deal of interaction. So you could argue that this is a game that is best played with two rather than three and four, and I could possibly agree with you on that. But I've enjoyed my plays of three and four because I just enjoy the puzzle in this. And to be fair, the favorite way for me to play Art Nova is one player. So this is just another example of, you know, maybe because there's not a huge amount of interaction with other players, I want just solo mode. And that kind of works for me, so that's just one of those. So let's skip three a minute. We'll go on to there. Four is not often the preferable count because it's usually the cap at which games finish. And the problem with four is that it tends to either be too chaotic at times or it just extends the length and nothing else. And that's usually the biggest issue. It gets even more ridiculous when you put five on the box because I am convinced that publishers put two to five on the box just to sell the game. That's literally it, just to sell more copies because rarely is the five player version better than any of the other player accounts. All it does is add more time. It's why it's a bolt-on in Kickstarters because they use it as an artificial way to drive sales. But when do I care about having a fifth player in my giant three-hour Euro game? Tables are best with four players, you know, that's how they're set up for the most part, and games just don't work often. Now, there are exceptions. I will certainly give props to Architects of the West Kingdom, which actually does function very well as a five-player game, and even as a six-player game if you put the expansion in it. So there are exceptions to the rule. In fact, Architects is one of those games which you're best played with minimum three players and actually works more with more. So you know, say there are exceptions, but let's have a look around to see if there's any... Well, I mean, uh, Civilization, the original Civilization, or even Civilization A New Dawn. I mean... It's cool to have more players, but then it just adds more time to the game. It's not like it adds a ton that you really care about having all those players there. Through the Ages was up on that sh list. Oh my god, you will not pay me to play Through the Ages with four players. It would take absolutely forever. But then another game, uh, Baron Park. Yeah, Baron Park, I, I love the game. It's great, and I'll play it with any player count, but you got to be honest, there's really not much difference playing this with four than there is with two, other than just making the time length longer. So if I can play it with two, I will. If I play it with four, then fine, but four will never be the preferable way. I would always say, well, if I can play it with three, I'll play it with three instead. That just seems to work better. Uh, trying to think. Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, God, yeah, that's a good example. I love that game, and I'll play it solo, and I'll play it any other player count, but because of the bloat it has... I do have to say that if I'm playing this with four players, I'm probably got, not going to play with the expansions because it does drag the game out to an insane length. Not to mention the table space is ridiculous. So playing expansions with less players is preferable, or play it solo. But I'd still play this with three with an expansion thrown in, preferably the community one. I think that's the best of the ones so far. But And the expansion thrown in the fifth player expansion, who the hell asked for this one to have a fifth player? Seriously. Is there any madman out there who is playing this with five players on a regular basis with all the expansions? I just think that's insanity. Absolute insanity. But, oh well, to each their own. Uh, 
And then obviously when you're getting into five plus player games, I mean, obviously a party game needs to have more players. You know, that's how party games work. I don't play Detective Club with three. I play it with, you know, five at least. Same for Mysterium, same for Deception, same for Concept is quite good with more players. Uh, trying to think, is there any other... Uh, big games well saying that not just party games racing games have that effect as well for example flam rouge if you play that with uh, more players you can actually get a pretty good sort of you know race going with that one i mean i think you need expansions to play it with more players yeah you, you can only do four normally but throw in the expansion you can do five and six and i think it works quite well with five and six but downforce is another good example of a racing game that's better with more players you can play it with free, and it works fine at free. Same with four and that. But if you can get a six-player going of downforce, turns are still quick, one car each, it becomes an absolute chaotic fest on this track. And then the fact that I've pimped mine out with Mario Kart figures and still have not got a Shy Guy figure. If anybody has got a Shy Guy Mario Kart Monopoly figure and wants to donate it to the Broken Meeple, you will have my utmost gratitude. That is the one I'm missing, because using Metal Mario sucks. But, you know, I'm trying to get hold of a Shy Guy one. So, you know, but Downforce with six players is a good way to play it. You know, I would play it with six over two or three as a preferable, as a pref as a way of being preferable, honestly. So, yeah, there are examples where I want lots of players. So what's this magic number three? Well, three... There is one time free player doesn't work. Area control games tends to be a problem. Uh, Rising Sun is a good example of this. If you, as much as I like playing it with, uh, I, I don't want to play it with five. That's too many. Four is my prime count to play Rising Sun with. Three is not bad, but when you have an area control game or anything where you can have people in a diploma, you know, diplomatic arrangement, if two people work together, then one person's on their own, and they do have a bit of a disadvantage in that regard here. But then also, if two people are at each other's throats and fighting each other and reducing each other by way of attrition, the other players usually get away with murder and not being able to, you know, not having a problem with anything. And that goes for pretty much any area control game that I can think of. Chaos in the Old World would be another example. Uh, trying to think of others. Forbidden Stars could be another example of that. You know, the idea that if two races are constantly at each other's throats, the other person has usually not got a problem. And that is the time when free players is probably not the best idea. But in most other cases, though, free just ends up being a good sweet spot of player interaction and length of the game. Like even Glass Road that I mentioned earlier. Granted, it probably works a little better with two, but... I could play it with free. It's just enough of that little chaos factor to throw in, but a little bit of that extra player interaction to sort of kind of mix things up a bit, but it's not dragging the game out too long. I mean, I love the fact that the Glass Road says 20 minutes playing time. I don't even know how it's physically possible to play this in 20 minutes. This is a 90-minute game through and through. But, you know, it's... Free players can work, but a lot of, like, Euro games, I will tend to want to play with free. So Pursuit of Happiness... I can play it with two. I'm happy to play it free, though. I think free is a good number for it. Uh, Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders, you don't care about other players above three players. You know, four is not too bad, but five, six, seven, who cares? I mean, it's you care about your two neighbours. So what does it matter what the fifth, sixth, and seventh player are doing? So Seven Wonders, my favourite player count, is always free. And this works with drafting games as well, actually, because... In drafting games, 
when you're passing cards around, if you have more players and the card number doesn't scale, when you look at your hand, you don't see anything else in that hand ever again. So you have to pick the one card you like and accept that the rest are gone. And you might have had three cards of, that you need turn up in that hand and you're screwed because you can only take one and you'll never see the other two. But in a free player game, you have that cool concept where when you pass the cards, there's a chance that it may come back round to you. And that is fun to gamble on. You sort of think, well, I want to take this card, but then if I don't take this one, which I also like, I reckon you'll take it. But I reckon with, you won't take this yellow card. I reckon you're more after the greens and maybe the reds. So I'm going to chance it. I'm going to take the green one now. And I'm going to hope that the yellow comes back round, comes back round, comes back round. Yes! And that's a cool feeling. So drafting games for me are usually universally three players are best, I think, with that. Cool, I need a drink. Get that drink in. Uh... The Stroganoff one that i got down here, actually, I mean, I've got a sneaking suspicion that that's going to be a similar deal. I can play it solo, I could play it two, three, or four. I've got the sneaking suspicion that I'm probably going to be playing it three more than four, but we'll see. Uh, Arc Nova, yes, okay, playing it with two is the shortest, probably best way to play it in the multiplayer, but then I'd rather play it with three than four because, like I say, four is just added length most of the time. Uh, what other games we got to... Uh, Automania, that works pretty well with free. Dinosaur Island, I mean, it's a table hog, and, you know, you only need so many players in the game because there's only so much interaction. Play it with free. Probably better with that count. Uh, let's see. Other ones? Dominant Species Marine, that's probably a, another good example. You can play it with four, but that will make it quite a tight map, and it will make the game go on quite a bit longer. I don't think there'd probably be enough interaction in a two-player game, so I would want Three players for that one. Three players would be pretty good. Um, yes, that is area control, but you're kind of in each other's faces with everybody. So somebody shouldn't be getting left behind. Uh, let's see. Near and far, Empires of the Void 2. Ooh, Empires of the Void 2. Hmm. Yeah, actually, that works pretty well with three. Uh, the more players you have, the more stuff on the border that is revealed. So maybe four is actually probably a good player count with that. Five is maybe a bit too much. But free works with that one fine. Yeah, it keeps the length down. Wingspan. Oh, blimey. Yeah, wingspan. Definitely better with free than it is with four or five. I mean, you add those players and you're just adding more time to the game. So, I mean, in a lot of these cases, you could probably argue that two is better than free. But because I don't get two-player games to the table often, free is like, right, I can get free people at a club. And it's enough to have some interaction with other players. Not just for the game, but for talking. I mean, you know, would you rather talk to two people or one person all the time? Uh, just see. Predator. Oh, yeah, that is better with three than it is with four. Uh, let's see. Smash Up. Oh, Smash Up's a good one. Uh, Smash Up is probably best at three. Two player is second best because it's easier and quicker. Four player is just way too much complexity on the table with all the stuff that's out. But three just gives you a little bit more interaction with other players in terms of what factions are out there and how the point scoring works. So three is pretty good. Uh, Mystic Veil, similarly, although, you know, playing it two or three player is fine. Again, playing it with four is not recommended unless you've got the expansion that gives you the Equinox mode that allows you to play two people simultaneously. Uh, what else, really? Uh, let's see. Yeah, there's a couple of exceptions over there for Black Actually, Mission Red Planet is good to get the full count of six. Cosmic Encounter is good to get, although that's a negotiation game. That probably falls into the whole party game subject area. Um, trying to think. Is there any others of good examples? 
Edge of Darkness, that's more of a solo game, really, than anything else. Uh, Awkward Guess, Awkward Guess could work. I mean, playing it with only one person, I think, doesn't really work, and I don't really like it as a two-player. But then as you add more players, yes, you've got more interaction with players, but then it's also an added time length and complexity. So I think three is a pretty good sweet spot with Awkward Guests. Uh, anything else off the top of my head? Oh, the Surda games. Surda and Mind Clash games. Yeah, I mean, four players in those games tends to just add more time. So I would much rather play them three players. And that goes for Chikarion, that goes for Anachrony, that goes for Kanban and Gallerist. Uh, yeah, most of those I would rather play with three than four. And I suppose that's the deal that I'm trying to get at here. It's not that, oh, three players is infinitely always better than two. So there's a lot of times two can be better than three, mainly from a time perspective. But because I can't get two player games to the table, three is the sweet spot. And as I say, I want to talk to more people at the table and it's good to have more factors influencing the game. Like it's one thing to say, like Whistle Mountain, for example, uh, I could play that with two, three, or four. Probably prefer to play it with three than four because of time length, again. But when you've got that central grid that you're building up and everybody's contributing to it, you want a few extra players than just two of you in order to make that happen. But then maybe having too many just makes it a bit too chaotic or makes the game take too long. So again, Whistle Mountain, sweet spot, three players. I think three players works with that one. So as it, it's... I don't think there is a universal number that works with every type of game. Certainly, I think three players is my favorite way to play the majority of games I can think of. So it's definitely my sweet spot. It's certainly solo gaming has become a bigger thing for me than it used to. But then living alone, it kind of has to. And so, yeah, three and one tend to be my favorite player counts, but there are exceptions where two can work well, they just don't hit the table much, and certainly there are some games where four, Terramara, with four, much better than three, actually, is a good example, uh, and four or more can actually work, but I would say that they are more exceptions than general. With me, generally, three is the magic number, so... Yeah, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are. What do you believe? Do you uh, do you prefer higher player counts? Do you want to max out the player count? Are you one of these uh, madmen who think that five-player expansions are the best thing since sliced bread? If so, um, I'll get the people in white coats to come around if you need them. Uh, but I really can't understand why five-player expansions are a huge thing. But you know, what is your favorite player count to play? And don't I mean don't say solo because I mean don't say solo because you can't find a game group. I mean that's all right, fair enough. If you can't find game groups often, then you are forced to play solo. But you know, if you're going to say solo is your favorite player count, I'd like a different reason than just I don't know anyone. <laughs> you know, that would probably work. But interested to know your thoughts. Right, there we go. That's it for me. I'm going to end this podcast. So by all means, remember, check out kienda.co.uk. Look in the description on this video for my referral code and use that to sign up your first account because it will get you a discount and it helps the channel progress. So, and obviously, you know, they it, the more that I can help them out the more stuff i can get for reviewing content like for example this stroganoff in fact we also have a planned giveaway i believe for dinosaur world uh, which we're gonna have to do soon so you know giveaways review copies more content for the channel it helps me if you help them so by all means give them a look at kienda.co.uk but until next time i uh, don't know what the next uh, video will be during the week uh, but i have the top 10 favorite no top 10 worst things in our favorite games this was a highly rated patreon uh, top 10 list for me to do 
and uh, it's been a while since I could get round to it because obviously I need to coordinate with collaborators. But Jonathan from the Hexy Beast will be joining me on Saturday evening, uh, seven or eight p.m. GMT. We haven't finalised it, but you know, at some point evening GMT, we will be talking about that top ten list. So that should be interesting because no game is ever flawless. So in games that we really like. What's the one thing that kind of irked us that we had to fix or uh, that we put up with? You know, those sort of things. There's definitely, I think, going to be some interesting choices there. But uh, other than that, help this video out. Share it around. You know, be nice to each other. Stay safe wherever you are in the world with everything that's happening. Uh, just, you know, just try not to... You know, find a small creator and give them some love, you know, or find a friend and give them a hug or something. And we just need a little bit more niceness here. I don't want, you know... I mean, I mentioned like Twitter earlier. One thing I am actually, I forgot to mention, I am going to leave Twitter as only a broadcasting network. So if people ask me direct questions or direct message me, I will respond on Twitter. That's fine because you actively ask me a question and or said a nice comment, I will respond. But I'm not going to put random musings up and I'm not going to put random board game pictures up. I'll leave Instagram and YouTube and uh, Facebook for that because... I'm sick and tired of things being taken out of context or people like coming at me on Twitter and it's just like, you know what, it's not worth it. My anxiety went through the roof in the last week with the new job and everything that was happening. So it's just like, you know what, my health says back off Twitter. I mean, I tried it back in October where I took a break from it and it was actually one of the best things I did. It actually really helped. So I think Twitter is just too toxic a platform to use for anybody with a health issue. It's dominated by anybody with massive followers. There's no point being on there if you're small, really. But it's going to be you. So I'm going to obviously put out video updates. So, you know, join us for this live stream or I'm doing this one or I've just released a review. I'll put those on there because publishers use Twitter a lot. So I do need to keep in touch with them. But you're not going to get random musings from me. You're not going to get personal posts on there from me. You know, it's purely just going to be stuff to do with the channel and responding to a direct message or, you know, nice comment or something. Because obviously I will, you know, there are still people I really like who use Twitter. So, you know, naturally, if they ask me a question or say a nice thing, then I'm going to, you know, respond to them. You know, it's called common courtesy, but uh, it's called politeness and interaction. But yeah, you'll probably find that I'll put more of my random musings on things like Facebook and the YouTube community page and Instagram now, just because uh, my health would thank me for it. You know, it's, uh, you know, put it this way. You could literally, you know, you go on Facebook and YouTube and that and you say things are bothering you. You usually get people say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, that's, you know, that's not good. Uh, you know, like people have been very kind to me about my anxiety issues where I get like chest pain if something's really worrying me, that kind of thing. And people have been very friendly to me on that. And I do thank you very much for that. But with Twitter, you could literally be on Twitter saying I am suffering from a heart attack right now, like this instant I am on the ground with a heart attack and somebody will still be trying to kick you when you're down or find an excuse to hate you for it. It's like, that is how toxic Twitter is. So, you know, I, I think for my health, it's better that I just step back from it, really. You know, I, <laughs> we only live for so long. Life's too short. You got to look after your health. So that's just a quickie little update. But yeah, this podcast has gone on long enough, so I'll end it there. Take care, everybody. Remember to check out Kienda. Remember to check out the rest of my content. Let me know your thoughts in the comments about the player count and the games I've mentioned, particularly those Kickstarter ones. And uh, thanks to everybody who's shown me support over the last month with the new job 
and anxiety and everything. You know, I appreciate every single one of you. And also, don't forget to check out the Patreon campaign if you want to help that channel out a little bit further. So, take care, and remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now, everyone. Love you all.